0: Sunday's on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex Sakhalu. And we're going to bring our guest on uh, in a little while, Matt Rayner, He's kind of well known about these parts and by some people and by some people not. He uh, was a commercial fisherman, had an accident, uh, is now living life on the East End as a quadriplegic and has rediscovered his creativity through photography which he had been kind of dabbling in before and now he's kind of a well-known showing actual artist which is amazing and uh beautiful beautiful images i mean images that uh
1: really uh give glory to nature and and uh, i guess uh humankind's little position in the swirling ocean of nature literally and figuratively
0: I think it's really interesting. We've talked to a lot of young artists lately and what I think is really interesting about Matt's artwork is that you know, and he'll come on and tell us all about this when we bring him on, but he has limited use of his of his hands, but he has found a way to be able to use a drone. And it's really interesting to think of someone who is as right now at least earthbound as Matt being able to take kind of that condor bird's eye perspective. And a lot of the artwork that he takes, uh, he has one birches that looks like, I don't know, like lungs, like it, it's another one of those situations where a young artist is kind of looking at nature almost as like uh, an organism or parts of the human body. There's like this, this mashup between nature and humanity. Right. And,
1: and I thought you were going, but I would also say, you know, there's always been an interstitial relationship between technology and art. and. It, what you know, wh- whether it's uh, cave paintings, uh, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, uh, where it turns out that the paintings were all in the most acoustic parts of the cave, so so as part of storytelling, um, or or it's the technologies we all have now. Uh, it's, it's somehow the technology is really there as a tool, but that the art and the artist uses it uh, to kind of show where show a bit of themselves and show the greater universe. And so it seems almost a natural extension, but definitely as part of Matt's personal journey, uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to hear how he uh, has developed and continued to, to develop his eye.
0: Well, with that, maybe we should just bring him on. He's got a lot to say. He's a good friend of mine and uh, we'd like to welcome Matt Rayner to the show. How, how are you today, Matt? I'm good.
2: I'm good. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, guys. Thanks
1: for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. yeah. Where, where are you
2: right now? Uh, I'm just in my, my living room. It's got cold again. I'll tell you that. Hampton
0: Bays. He- Hampton Bays.
2: Hampton Bays. Yeah. Hampton Bays.
0: You know what? I want to, I want to start off with the photography because, um, some of your, uh, most popular pieces, uh, and you do have the new pieces, which are going to gain in popularity, but you were a commercial fisherman. We're talking major, huge loads of squid, like. I don't know, like ninety thousand pounds of squid. Am I exaggerating a little?
2: Sounds good. Okay. hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah, let's go.
0: There you go. And uh,
2: please, keep, keep keep it going.
0: But and you traveled around the world, uh, but you still even back then you were taking these incredible kind of nautical photographs that are very popular uh, right now. The Holland and uh, what's the other one? The one of the boat. What's her name?
2: Uh, steaming and then Viking Pride. There's a there's a couple of them.
1: Yeah. Well, 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 let's 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 if you don't mind, because I am the uh,
2: I'm the uninitiated in this. What
1: led you and how did you become a commercial fisherman? Like what?
2: My best friend um, owned a commercial fishing boat. It was a Mary Elizabeth, and uh, you know, college wasn't for me. I wasn't really ever the type to sit down. You know, I never really liked sitting down and all the rules and deadlines. It's just like never it wasn't good for me. I you know when I left school it was probably one of the, the better things I did and then uh you know a couple of odd jobs and my my friend Scott was like oh hey do you want to come out fishing and I've always loved the ocean it's always been like my spiritual place you know Yeah, I fell in love with it and plus it actually it actually paid well and what was your what was your days work like on on any one day of commercial fishing It's kind of a complicated question because you know it's like seasonal and you catch different fish at different times, but, uh, no matter what, it's usually pretty labor intensive and, you know, you're up at odd hours. You usually have to get down to the boat like well before sun up, you know, you usually get on the boat at like three 30, and try to get the net in the water before the sun comes up. And then, um, you know, depending on what boat, if it's a boat that can go out for a couple days, um, you stay out for a couple days, but if it's a boat that just you know just goes out, then let in the morning and then comes back in, then it's just a day trip. You get to you get to sleep in your own bed, um, but the the trips that are longer, you you know you end up making more money.
1: Yeah, and and on these uh, ships, as uh, so I would imagine, the trips that are longer or or more or larger ships, but how many people are usually working on a
2: boat? Uh, four, mm, uh, maybe. Three to four, maybe, maybe five, depending.
1: Wow. Right. And and so uh, did you guys kind of uh, have to kind of become a team or was it like? Uh... Yeah,
2: usually, usually. I mean, you, you know, usually if you go out fishing with people, you end up becoming, uh, you know, you kind of develop like camaraderie and brotherhood. Because, mm-hmm. you, just, you and- know, you're like living together, eating together, working these crazy weird hours, you know, all the way. Through the night sometimes and um, we got to keep each other entertained so you tell stories and make jokes. And-
0: Matt did you ever catch anything really weird like some weird fish or like a, I don't know something that you would never seen or?
2: Yeah you know uh, in the winter when the squid move off um, you go we go towards the continental shelf and that's where like the giant squid are you know that's where they live. So sometimes you get like a big chunk of a giant squid tail or something like that. Yeah. Did, did this affect your uh, your taste for seafood? <laughs> no, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't eat fish unless I caught it myself. Usually.
0: We're coming up on two years since your your uh, accident, nice. which left me paralyzed. You were right before that working on the Perception. Is that right? It's like a 90-foot mm-hmm. boat.
2: Yep, 86. In the water, ninety out of the water.
0: Oh well, excuse me. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but I kind of got it right.
2: Yeah, but I mean, really, it's ninety foot. If you and, think about it.
0: And that was squid. You were where you were working.
2: Um, they usually catch squid mostly. That's their like target. And then uh, if you're unfortunate enough to go porgy fishing, uh, that's another fish. And, um, why a little bit, a little bit of fluke and then mixed fish, like wing and, and whiting.
0: Uh, why unfortunate enough to go porgy fishing?
2: Oh, it's just, uh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's just the worst. It's just, it's easy to catch. But anyway, uh, yeah, just get sidetracked here. But anyway, so you end up loading the boat with these porgies and they have spikes on them, you know? So you always get like the spikes go through your gloves and, um, you know, you don't always get a good price for them, so you'll spend 16 hours, 17 hours going through all these porgies, boxing them up, and then, you know.
0: But on all of these trips, Matt, you were taking pictures, you were taking photographs.
2: When I could, yeah. You know, when uh, when I was allowed to, you know, you can't be on deck just pulling out a camera.
0: But you, were you selling your photos back then?
2: I did, yeah. Yeah, I had, uh, I had one trip. On the Mary Elizabeth, my friend Scott, where we went down to Beaufort, North Carolina, we had a big fluke landing, and we caught a tropical storm on the way down. You know, but it was on our stern, so it was really, you know, it wasn't too bad. It kind of just like shot us down there. So, you know, it's opportunity to get pictures of big waves and all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's like a four day trip there, so four days of just hanging around taking pictures, you know, and then on the way back. And and,
1: and, and during that period, but during that period, as you're, as you're shooting, um, are you thinking about them in terms of like uh, selling them? Or are you really doing them uh, for your own collection and your
2: own, just capturing these moments? Um, no, you know what? I did want to sell it. Um, my, my ex-girlfriend at the time was doing uh, like traveling art fairs. You know, we set up a booth and we sell art and they have fine art fairs and stuff like that. So, I used to do that um, when I wasn't fishing and I kind of wanted to do my own, my own photography. So I was trying to add to the collection, you know, I ended up doing a, a couple different shows like the Maritime Festival in Greenport. Um,
0: but you never thought it would really be your main event.
2: No, 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 I didn't think it. You know, I mean, it really kind of like after the injury, I was like, "Oh wow, I can," you know, I put in a little bit of groundwork here, and now I can make this into, I can make this into something. And then, you know, with the with the stories like all along with the pictures, and then the story about me, it kind of compounds itself, you know.
0: Well, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and talk about that uh, fateful day. A man who has just said that he had trouble sitting down is now in a wheelchair and how art has become your main focus and the way you channel your creativity. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And our guest, Matt Rayner of Hampton Bays. We're gonna be right back after this.
1: following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WLIWFM.
3: Founded in 1987, The Retreat is a non licensed domestic violence agency. It provides a number of services to help break the cycle of family violence. The Retreat offers a secure residence on the east end of Long Island and works with local, state, and national agencies to provide a safe haven, food, clothing, and support. More information at theretreatinc.org or 631-329-4398. I see the morning coming near your eye. Jubilee,
4: Jubilee.
3: It's shining brighter than the sun in the sky. Jubilee, Jubilee.
0: We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget LeRoy. And Alex Sokolow, And you're listening to us on 88.3 W L I W F M Long Island's only NPR station. You can also stream us online at dot And you can always like our Facebook page, Sundays on the East End. We are speaking with Matthew Rayner, also known as Matt Rayner. Up until April 18th of 2019, you were pretty much living the life, you were a very, very busy guy, commercial fisherman, making some good money, doing some art shows. Traveling around. Yep, traveling around the world. Yep. Tell us what happened on that day.
2: I broke my neck, but leading up to that, um, I was working on the perception, so we do three three weeks on, three weeks off. So it's kind of nice, you have three weeks, and you need to get a big paycheck, and then you could go kind of do whatever you want. And uh, so I was kind of like, I guess you'd call it shore leave. And, uh, you know, I, I had like tendonitis, and my body was kind of achy from, from working those crazy hours and, you know, just the physical strains of, of commercial fishing. And, uh, you know, so I, I had been just jumping into Pecanic because it's sort of like right down the road from my house in, in, uh, in North Sea. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's helping with joint pain and tendinitis and whatnot. And also like this time of year, March and April, the water is super beautiful. It's like, it's really cold. It's really cold, but it's also like this tropical blue that it's it's never, you know, it doesn't look like this any other time of the year. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of nice. It's like almost like a spiritual kind of experience jumping in the water, you know? So I had been doing that and, um, one day I went down to uh Town point in Southampton. I was diving in the water. You know, I did it a couple times and it was nice. It was like a full moon, so the tide was really high and it was kind of windy and the water was really blue. Um, so I decided to call up my, my good friend, Jerome who's also another artist. And I was like, hey, uh, you know, you want to come enjoy this experience with me, right? 45 minutes go by, an hour goes by, the tide's going down. You know, so it's less water. I go back down to Tad Point and, you know, I jump in a couple more times. He jumps in. I even had, I even had like a recording of me breaking my neck, which I wish I didn't delete. I wish I, you know.
0: So tell us what happened. You jumped in. Yeah, you know, I was kind of tired.
2: I was cold. And I was just like, oh, you know what? Let me jump in one more time. And then, you know, I'll get my truck that's nice and warm and I'll go, I'll go about my day being refreshed I jumped in the water and I don't remember hitting my head but I remember floating up and looking at the bottom and being like oh I can't move anything like at all I can't move my body at all I can move my hands a tiny bit and my wrists and I can kind of move my neck and that's it I'm just face down you know? You, you, you knew that instantly. Yeah, yeah, I knew right away. I was like, oh, I definitely broke my neck. That's the only explanation for this phenomenon that's happened to me. There's no, like, you know, there's no, there's no easy way that I'm getting out of this. It was just obvious. You know, you don't just have total paralysis and then boom, you're all right. Um, and, and Jerome, Jerome got you out of the water?
0: Well first he thought you were joking
2: yeah first I thought I drowned I thought I drowned at first um, but I guess when you drowned you inhaled the water I didn't do that it was actually because I broke C3 which is responsible for uh, respiration so my lungs actually just turned off and I blacked out
4: mm-hmm. you know
2: so like I was just floating in the channel and the water was going out into peconic it's floating face down. I couldn't move. And, um, you know, lights out. Uh, I had a near-death experience, which, uh, you know, if you ever had one, they can be, you know, very, very spiritual. And I'm actually grateful for it. You know, it made, it made being paralyzed a lot easier.
1: Yeah, would you mind sharing that? Because I think that's uh, that's something that I think everybody thinks about, but very few people actually have and can talk
2: about. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't have any bright light, tunnel experiences, but, um, you know, I just remember looking at my life and being grateful that I got to live and, uh, you know, not regretting anything, just being happy. I got to do everything I got to do, even the stupid things. And um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I do not know where I was going, but I knew I was going to be, you know, part of the universe part of this collection of things we don't really understand and um, it all seemed okay you know everything seemed fine
0: wow yeah, you and, had a moment of peace kind of at that yeah it
2: was really like a welcoming almost
0: and was, uh, and Jerome is there and and as far as I you have told me before he for a minute he thought you were joking because you're just lying there yeah
2: he did you know he, did, he didn't think I was serious. But then I just kept floating out, you know, I was, in, I was in the channel. So the tide was rushing out and I just kept floating and I wasn't moving. And he was like, oh, I think this joke is going on for too long. I better go get him. So, so he- you know, he, 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 he waited out, um, and he had to swim a little bit, you know, he had to swim to me and he pulled me on the beach. Um, I can't imagine what my neck was like you know he's dragging me up the beach the Thing was probably like flopping around because it's so broken and um, you know, he got me on the beach he did CPR and he brought me back you know I was totally out my eyes were open blue lips you know no response so he did CPR and I came back and I remember looking at him and I was like oh <laughs> hey <laughs> <laughs> wasn't expecting to see you here. Wow. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I was really cold too. So I was like, can you, can you drag me up the beach? And I could, you know, I, I couldn't really feel my body, but I just knew I was really cold.
0: And then there were just months and months of you being hospitalized, um, wading through the entire situation. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of,
2: of- I just wanted to say one more thing. Yeah, yeah. One really weird thing that happened was like, after I broke my neck and it revived me, like I was sitting on the beach and I had this like crazy, crazy body high.
0: Body high?
2: Yeah. Like my, like my body was tingling and it felt like I was cold, but everything felt really wonderful.
0: Wow. Do you think that's from the cold water or from the paralysis? Have you heard about that again?
2: I don't know. I, I thought, I, I think maybe if you have a near-death experience, your body kicks out some crazy chemicals.
0: Probably. You know? Yeah. So to, then you had a few months, like I said, of hospitalization, and then you're kind of plopped back.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then it, then it was just like, they like, you know, we'll give you six weeks of rehab. You, you lost control of 85 90 percent of your body they give you you know six weeks and they're like oh, all right go and figure it out it, it's you know, the adjustment period is, is like it's like a freaking nightmare you know yeah how do you how do you you know patch somebody up and then send them out on the world into the world they can't do anything for themselves their hands don't even work it's crazy it's, you know it's like it's unbelievable you should have like a team of three people to follow you around Every day for a friggin' year until you get adjusted, but they just send you home.
0: And you were uh, lucky enough, though, to have a lot of people in your corner who kind of retrofit Yeah, retrofitted. yeah, I was lucky
2: enough to have community, but yeah, but I mean, uh, for some people, they don't have that. You know, people who break their neck in rural Tennessee, what do they do? You know, how do they how do they manage? It's just. Uh, you know, I gotta be grateful for for you, especially. And yeah, I was, about, I was about to say,
1: right? Like, and you had mentioned the word gratitude in your near death experience, and and uh, has gratitude um, helped fuel you in this next chapter of your life? Yeah,
2: I mean, it's, it's something you can generate on your own. You know, you don't have to go out and work for it. Um, but sometimes, you know, really gotta make an effort. Yeah, for sure. You know, especially when you're feeling down especially, you know, in, in the beginning with, with my transition period, um, the beginning was actually okay. It was like later on, like during the winter when, you know, reality like started to sink in. I'm like, Oh man, I really can't go do anything. I'm like, I'm really just sitting here watching TV. Um, and this sucks. Things turned around, you know, things turned around with photography. When, when did you start thinking about photography again? Um, that winter, you know, I was like, I need something to do. You know, yeah, I I couldn't use the computer yet. And there's no way I'm going to hold a camera. Um, so, you know, I just did a lot of research on my phone. I can use my phone easily. So I did a lot of research and I was like, you know, think if I get this drone and I put it on this board with Velcro, you know, I might be able to operate it, you know? So I just, I got it and I tried it and it works and I was like, great. You know, this is cool.
0: But then you had to actually—you had to actually get out, which means you have to have somebody drive you.
2: Yeah, to a yeah, place yeah.
0: where you can roll in your chair. So it's not like a, a, some other like like me, for example, would be like, oh, I want to get out right away. Like everything in no. your life takes a certain amount of planning and. Depends- yeah, everything's
2: super planned out. You know, so I got you know, I gotta find and recruit a driver and um it's usually nice so i mean we go around and just check out cool places you know parks and whatnot so you know get lunch it's usually it's usually a pretty nice experience but you know they have to deploy the drone hopefully they're a good driver but anyway yeah so you know i pick i pick a place on google maps or from memory and i head there and see what the conditions are and try to get a shot you know yesterday i went to shelter island i got some Really beautiful shots. No, too. I was going to just
1: ask, and so and so, you're. I, I've never actually operated a drone, so I, I, in real time, you're able to kind of see what the drone is is saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, it actually uh, and it connects to your phone or
1: iPad. Uh-huh. And 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 so, as as an artist, how are you framing things, or, or is it different? I guess like before, it sounds like your photography was you would find yourself in a sp- specific moment in time. Kind of surrounded by the enormity of nature, and and yet, and and taking these photos, where where you're you're creating this perspective. I mean, all the pictures that I've seen, you know, there's a focal point of of you, the artist, or you, or or the the human touch on nature. But then there's nature, which is just vast and enormous. I know. Yeah. And now and now you have the the drone photography, where it seems like it's, it's, it's such a different process as an artist. Like you're, you're just capturing something inherently different. Um, what did, did your artistry change in that way? Or was it just more, your eye was still, well, this is interesting. So this is what I'm going to capture
2: being in nature, looking at things, the cosmos it's created is just inherently relaxing to me, you know? So being able to do it in any way is, 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 uh, is great for me. Um, but yeah you know i had to change i had to change my eye from being there you know being in a situation you know like seeing things from above uh the good thing about the drone is you can kind of use it as as like say i was there you know i could get it six feet above the ground and take a shot you know which i like to do a lot of times just pretend like i'm the one taking the photo
0: Really, because I was going to say, that must be fairly new for you to do that kind of shooting, Mm -hmm. Matt, because I really did notice that what Alec was just saying about your perspective is that you were very much part of the art before the accident, in the sense that it was a very human view, like um, I'm thinking of like the one in Sedona or um, Santorini, or, you know, Holland, any of the... Yeah, You're looking at it from like a a six-foot perspective, kind of. It was horizon-based. Yeah. Yeah. And now, most of the work is from above. And I also wonder if maybe you did have some... Let's make it up right now that you had some near-death experience where you floated out of your body and you were above it, because then you can use that as part of your story, and that's why you take the photos from above. Let's just make that a thing.
2: Yeah, well, it's also kind (laughs) of like rising above adversity how about that that's a good one that's true
1: but i I would actually say and it's the eye of god and uh, you know as with the drone you get to kind of be god in these
2: photos well if you look at if you if you take the drone you know you're allowed to go up 400 feet the 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 different patterns are just unbelievable you know you're like like uh you, you know you can't even believe it it's just uh so beautiful. You know, you, you look at a tree and you see the patterns and then take a drone, and you go up in the air and you're like, oh, well, these patterns are all recreated everywhere. It's like, um, what is it? A Rorsham lot. I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just like that. You know, everything is like recreated, but a little bit different. So you kind of get to see the universe in just a different way.
1: Have you, have you, uh, before your accident, um, Did you have a relationship? You sound like a very spiritual person and and somebody who's always kind of had a relationship with nature, not the constraints of mankind, so to speak. Has your relationship with nature and the universe, uh, uh, or how has it changed, I should say, uh, since your accident? And and does it come out in your photography in that way?
2: Well, it does come out in my photography. My photography is really the only way I get to go and experience it. So, you know, otherwise, otherwise I'm in the car or I'm at home, you know, I get to go around the block, woohoo. Oh, you stop. know, on my I
0: own. know you actually have been out on a boat. I know, I know. You. I went out
2: I went out on a boat. I'm I'm pretty lucky as far as just go. I gotta be grateful. Um, easier said than done. You know, I guess sometimes I can be a little bit negative.
1: Um, I, I've always I've always found though, like in my artistic process, uh, when when I go through a negative attitude, uh I I might have a lot of resentment or, or feel like the doors are closed. But then I can't make the best art. You know, i was about to say but that's part of the process to actually then find the the catharsis and the freedom so i would imagine that as an artist it's 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 just part of the 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 entire cycle of, of creating
2: yeah definitely you gotta agree with that 100 percent
0: and you've had um you've kind of branched out no no pun intended because of, of the branches like yeah branch, the birches but you've recently you did some actual going away from nature a little bit and going more to the city you did a city run
2: yeah i did that yeah me and my friend uh derlis when i got a picture of the brooklyn bridge and stuff like that which is cool i you know i would love to go back to the city it's so interesting what we as a species build you are like really you just kept going up you decided that was <laughs> like right there in manhattan manhattan was the ground we're just going to keep Keep building up. All right. I don't understand that, but that's cool. And it looks great. Oh,
1: my God. And then they keep going and, going and going and
2: going, too. I know. Everyone loves it. They're like, this piece of ground is the best piece of ground <laughs> for, like, miles around. Let's all live here. Let's just keep building as high as we can go.
0: It's kind of weird when you've kind of been a, a nature person or out on the water to then end up. I mean, I mean, how-
2: it's easier for me, though, you know, to be in the city because sidewalks. Oh, yeah public transportation
0: and is it all handicapped accessible pretty much
2: yeah yeah i mean new york's pretty good i i was in the hospital in the city so i got to hang out in central park and uh, even when i was in atlanta at a physical therapy he's you know you were we we took the train remember yeah
0: I, I i actually do want to talk a little bit about the shepherd center um i went down and visited matt last year.
2: We took the P way.
0: Yeah. We, I went down to visit him when he was at the shepherd center in Atlanta and we did, we actually took a subway together, which like, as you know, Alex Sokolow, I was brought up in New York city. I do not take the subway for anybody. I take,
2: cabs i know but from i made her do it i made her do it the subway and the bus
0: it was nothing but the smell of urine everywhere we went it's so
2: entertaining there's there's crazy people everywhere you get to look to see what they're doing
0: I agree. I hated that. But I loved seeing there was
2: one guy peeing on the, the ticket machine. That's right. That's right. That was hilarious. Thank you. I for mean, initiating- for me, it's pure entertainment.
0: Thank you for initiating me into like the dregs of humanity. I really appreciate that. But can we talk to
2: people watching at its best?
0: Let's talk about the Shepherd Center. Do you because I didn't even know places like this existed.
2: I know it's like Disneyland for quadriplegics.
0: Well, what, what is it? You said it's like Disneyland for quadriplegics. Well, they what have you-
2: everything. There's a pool, like fully accessible gym. And then they have like, you know, in the summer, you can ride jet skis. And depending on your level of injury, you can uh, go water skiing. And they, do, they bring you to an aquarium.
0: It teaches you how to, re- how to live again. Yeah, as- that's
2: all the fun stuff. I'm talking about like, the physical therapy is like top-notch, you know, it's one of the best in the country that, and then there's something in Chicago, I think. There's a couple of them, but physical therapy, is um, really good, you know.
0: What is your prognosis, Matt? Are, are you ever gonna be able to walk or regain any of the use above where, where you are right now? And where are you right um, now? This is radio, so people can't see it's like, you.
2: It's a C5 um, cervical fracture. So below my collarbone, I, I can't, you know, I can't feel anything. I can feel deep pressure. So like if I sit for too long, I can feel my butt hurting. It's actually kind of a good thing. You know, if you ever had, I uh, take care of your parents and they get pressure sores, stuff like that. I can kind of feel that's going to happen, which is good. But anyway, you know, and uh, my hands don't move and I have no triceps. So um, if you're like, a, if you're like a C6 or a 7 you have triceps and then that, Adds like a whole world of possibility, but uh, even with my level of injury, if there was a place that was close, um that had good physical therapists, I'd be able to do a lot more. Like you know, get in and out of the bed by myself, and push myself in a chair, and do a, do a lot of different things. You know, which I still plan on doing, but we got like sidetracked by COVID, and you know.
0: Just... Yeah, that's um, that's another thing. But we're going to take a really quick break um, and then come back and talk about what you've managed to actually accomplish creatively during this pandemic because you uh, have accomplished actually something that a lot of artists haven't. You've had several shows of your work during the pandemic. So uh, you're listening to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolov. And we're talking with Matt Rayner, artist, photographer, quadriplegic, and East Ender. <laughs> we're going to be right back after this.
1: The following is a public service announcement from 88.3
3: WLIW-FM. If you have a
0: teen who is struggling with drugs,
1: alcohol, and or a mental health diagnosis, Outreach is there for you. For more than 35 years, Outreach has been saving the lives of teens and their families on Long Island by providing life-changing residential and outpatient treatment. More information by phone at 631-231-3232 or online at
3: opiny.org. I got life, mother I got laughs, sister I got freedom, brother I got good times, man I got crazy ways, daughter I got million dollar charm, cousin I got headaches, and toothaches, and bad times, too, like you. I got my hair, I got my head, I got my brains, I got my ears, I got my eyes, I got my nose, I got my mouth, I got my teeth.
0: We're back. Sunday's on the East End and we're talking with artist Matt Rayner and um, during- Before we dive
1: into his art, I do have a question. This is like um, the Rayner name is very uh, 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 prevalent, you know, popular, prevalent on some of the roads and yep. actually uh, my, my girlfriend's uh, kids go to the Rayner yep. school uh, or came through there. Are you part of that
2: that lineage? Um, yeah, I am. I have some ancestor that came over. He's- Buried in Southampton is like 1640, but I don't know any anyone, I don't know any of them. I know like seven rainers, I don't know how that happens, right? But know.
1: what and and but so growing up, your, your roots out in the east end go back uh
2: several hundred yeah, years, yeah, like really far back. But uh, yeah, for some reason, I don't know that many rainers,
0: Matt. You're, you're still like extremely young. How old are you now, 31?
2: Uh, not yet, I'll be 31 uh, in in May,
0: right. So this happened uh, still at a relatively young age. So you still have a lot of uh, of time ahead of you. You seem to have found a real niche in photography, but you also are now starting to do some mixed media pieces. You know,
2: I, I have this art show at the Southampton Arts Center, and I'm going to create a whole new series of art for it. You know, so they will all be originals, you know, there won't be prints. It'll be uh, photography, but mixed with, I guess, I guess it was kind of like sculpture, you know, I'm going to, Kind of hard to explain.
0: When is that show, Matt?
2: They don't know yet. Right, and but, but Bridget had said
1: before the break, you, you have been able to show in the, in the last 12 months when most of the world is shut. down. Where, where, where have you shown?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I had, I had a bunch of shows at the Southampton Cultural Center, and then I had uh, one at the ECI Center.
0: That's the Ecological Cultural Initiative. That's Rachel Stevens, who's also been on the show. That's her place.
2: Yeah, I think I had two there, and then uh, I had another one at the Brendan House uh, on the North but Shore. Even more
0: importantly than showing, you're actually managing to sell your art. Your art is gaining in popularity. What do you think is the reason why that's that's happening? Why do people? Why do you think people feel drawn to your art, especially during a pandemic?
2: Listen, people like it. People who have no idea that I'm stuck in a wheelchair like it. And I'm happy about that, you know, because I'm like, oh, man, people just feel bad for me. They buy my art because I feel bad. But it's not true, you know. I I had a feature in uh, Dan's Papers on Instagram, and I got like 1,300 likes. And I'm like, none of these people know that I'm quadriplegic, so this is a good sign. People just like my stuff, you know. That's got to be such a great feeling, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know. It's kind of easy for me. So I feel like I'm cheating or something. Oh, you know what all, I mean?
0: Oh, Alec, why don't you go off on the imposter the, the syndrome?
2: Yeah,
1: well, I, I can tell you is I, for whatever reason, I always had the ability to put words on paper, so to speak. And I think that we tend to devalue the things that come easy to us. And yeah. I've spent a lifetime trying to remind myself that uh, what I do uh, is, 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 should be celebrated. Um, and if it's easy, that just means that uh, I found something that I'm good at.
2: Yeah, it's true. You know, otherwise you're like, you're like, now nah, you know, you like, this doesn't, you know, this isn't worth anything. Can everybody do this? Yeah, you know.
1: I, I, but I also want to go back to like, I, I actually think, and you know, when I've when I've looked at your website and I've seen your photos, um, I think even more so than than ever, the 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 beauty of nature and the patterns of nature and the magnificence of the universe is something that it, it calms me down with my anxiety it's this is i know this i'm, I'm maybe walking a fine line no, here, but no, like totally the, the like, last the last no but the the last year you know we've all been re- rather sedentary we've all been in the house we've all been uh kind of stuck and and uh, that i think your your art is freeing like it it it's amazingly emotionally freeing.
0: And it also has a sense of isolation to it. You're not, your photography is not very people-centric. It really, it shows that you were a loner even before you ended up in a wheelchair. Uh,
2: Yeah, I, I love being around people. I enjoy people, but I also very much, very much enjoy my free time and being alone in nature, you know, just by myself. It's very peaceful.
0: I think what Alec was getting at in a in a very you know democratic protocol way, which I I don't mind kind of breaking through since we're good friends. I think he's saying that everyone felt kind of paralyzed during the last um, yeah during the pandemic.
2: Yeah, I know. I was like, I've been like this for a year, already, right, guys. You you were you were ahead of it before everybody else. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was in quarantine before everyone else was in quarantine. Yeah,
0: Bart, you just you're the trendsetter. So. Where do, where do you see yourself kind of going? I mean, Artistically.
2: Know, yeah. Artistically, well, I have like one little piece at Guild Hall, which doesn't really mean much. And why do, you um, say
0: that? why do you say it doesn't mean much? That's awesome, having a piece.
2: Well, it's cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Amy Kerwin, who was a curator for Southampton Arts Center, she kind of hooked me up with that, she gave me her place. After that, I have the show at the Southampton Arts Center. And then this summer I want to do, I want to do like those the, the art fairs. Like, you know, there's a couple in Southampton, and there's a couple in Sag Harbor, and there's a couple in Montauk. I just have to figure out the logistics. And I think that would be first off a lot of fun, you know, because those arts and crafts fairs, <laughs> it's filled with people, and there's you know, you food, and you can see well, you get tons of feedback too, you know, because there's people come in and they just tell you. First thing that's on their mind, especially if it's after four or five o'clock, you know. <laughs> Criticism's good. It helps you grow.
0: How do you deal with all of this knowing as I know that you kind of stay away from the drinking and the drugging? You you kind of you kind of did enough of that kind of before the accident, um, and that you had quit.
2: Yeah, happy hour. It was not a very happy hour for me. So <laughs> yeah.
0: I actually
1: um, and and uh I had seen a, uh, a documentary on near-death experiences recently and uh, saw somebody who has studied near-death experiences saying that when when one is sober, they actually experience a different near-death experience than, one, than when one is not sober.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're, you're living what's kind of yeah. euphemistically known as a sober life. Yeah. Do you find that that helps? It sure
2: helps you remember things. I can tell you that. It's 100% sober for mine. And I think that's why I was so powerful. You know, I was like totally lucid. Mm -hmm. And I think my life would be really different, really different, if I was like drinking or messed up. You know what I mean? But having like a lucid near-death experience was much easier. I'm like, I know exactly how how this happened. You know, right? I remember the whole day. I remember the experience. I remember everything until I blacked out, and then I remember waking up on the beach. There's no question of how I got paralyzed.
1: Uh, has, do you have a, a different sense of your consciousness now? Oh, God. Do you want to get into consciousness? Oh, no. Well, I just, I, you know, I, do you have a different sense of your consciousness now? Yeah. Uh, like,
2: uh, has your consciousness
1: changed uh, as, as your body has changed? I would say
2: just my whole outlook on the universe has changed after, uh, you know, after the near-death experience. Yeah, you've used the word gratitude in different ways. and, and... Gratitude and just kind of just like um, trying your best to appreciate your time that's here. And then also knowing that it's it's like totally fine to die. Just know, it's not that bad. It's not the worst thing that can happen, dying. There's like peace and beauty in it. That's what I found anyway. Not that I want to die. I don't. That's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm just saying it's like... Uh, dying.
1: No, you know, I, I, I think... I think uh, I know Woody Allen is uh, is a lightning rod for a lot of different conversations, but he did have a line years ago of how he's not afraid of death; he just doesn't want to be there when it
2: happens. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: And you know, Matt, I'm not trying to anyway paint you as being like a Pollyanna, like yeah, I'm grateful for the accident uh, or anything like that.
2: No, I, I kind, I mean, because everybody... honestly, I don't. I would love to not be paralyzed. I would much rather go back to working on the boat and enjoying traveling and running around and doing all that stuff. But I am grateful that, you know, I was lucid for the experience and I got to experience it. Uh, I, thinking about the the day of accidents, it's not painful. It's like not, I don't think of it as like, a. it's not a difficult memory for me. It's actually like kind of a nice one, you know, uh, which is weird to say, um, but, through, you know, following the accident, there's been some times that are not so fun to think about.
0: So what are some of the things that you want to do not artistically? I mean, in, in, what have you found out like maybe from the shepherd center or your own research? I know that you are kind of a research maniac now out of necessity. I know that you have been on a boat. I know that you have flown, right? Haven't you been on an airplane since this?
2: Yeah. 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 So what, uh, they dropped me.
0: So what, what do you have you? like once the p- pandemic is over, Where do you plan on visiting? What have you done the research for to find out is something that you can actually do?
2: Well, I I was supposed to go back down to Atlanta and then they're delaying it uh, because of COVID and it's, they're still delaying it. So, I mean, in April, maybe I could go down to Atlanta and then I wanted to go to, uh, there's a, uh, a rehab in South Africa that's modeled after the shepherd center. Um, and you know you can fly into like Amsterdam or Paris and then have a layover. I was gonna maybe spend like a week there or two and then fly straight into Cape Town and then the people at the physical therapy uh, place would you know help me find somewhere to live and then I could go and pay do a couple couple uh, different sessions and check out you know South Africa.
0: But but the guy who started it is really interesting though, because isn't he a, a a quadriplegic himself, the guy yeah, who started yeah, the play? Yeah,
2: yeah. He, um, he was like an acrobat. I think he fell on his head. You know, he went to the Shepherd Center, came back to South Africa and was like, oh, there's a real need for this. So, you know, maybe I should help some people. And he started, uh, you know, his own uh, branch there.
0: What are some of the things that you've come to notice as a, you know, as a paralyzed person that there's a real need for on the East End?
2: Well, I mean, it would be nice if they had some specialized physical therapy around here, but um, no sidewalks, you know, that's not cool. Uh, That's an easy thing. I think they have, I don't take the bus, but I'm pretty sure they have accessible buses. Oh, uh, one more thing. There's like a shortage of uh, caretakers on the East End too.
1: Right. And I, well, you know, but that actually leads into something I was going to say is, is for people who do not know and, and, and people who have not uh, experienced it themselves or with a loved one or a friend, what are something that you would like people to know and share about life as a quadriplegic? And and I think you're saying it about Medicaid, you're saying it about helpers or this, you've already kind of answered a little bit,
2: but is there anything that you, that you would like to, purchase? just navigating things is, is really difficult. Um, that, and then just getting the different things you need. Uh, Being disabled is something that like, a lot of times happens to you, it's not your choice. So just realize that, you know, this person's in this situation, not because they want to be, you know? just happened to them, you know? For, For the most part, people are actually nice, but you have to like speak up and be loud otherwise sometimes people like they won't like talk to you they'll talk to your like whoever's with you like you're uh, some sort of subspecies you know but then you speak up and they're like oh okay i can talk to this person he's mentally he's there so you know it's it's a little weird the universe has got a sense of humor i swear it's just the uh, the whole situation you know from going from being an active person to a guy just sitting down all the time it's just it's like hilarious when uh, when you're in
1: those moments though I, I it sounds like you're you're exceptionally self-aware uh and and uh, you were saying before when you're in the city or whatever or on on the trains uh you find the comedy of it do you find that uh that life and and, and that is inherently funny that god's got a sense of humor
2: yeah i certainly do i mean this whole thing is uh i mean for for me getting stuck in this chair is kind of like poetic justice for all the crazy things I've done in the past. Right. And yet, and yet
1: in your art, you're it, you live on uh, in visually uh, in infinity.
2: Yeah. Definitely. You know, and I'm really excited. You know, I, I, I can't explain what I'm going to do, but I'm really excited for my new series of art. It's going to be much more expressive and it, each one's going to be an original. So it's going to, you know, each one's going to have a different theme about my experiences and emotions and feelings, different things I've gone through, as a, a newly disabled person. So. Well,
0: I'm really looking.
2: You
1: know, for, I look forward to seeing
2: you Yeah, that, me too. Yeah. And
0: also, I look forward to reading your writing because you're also a, a really magnificent writing, and the descriptions you write for your uh, photography can be read on your website. Which is is it just Matt Rayner or is it Matthew?
2: Rainer? Uh, it's Matthew Rayner.
0: Rayner R A Y. N-O-R, Matthew
2: No other Matthew Rayners wanted that domain name. I don't know how I got it.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> well, hold you run, know how many you...
2: Matthew Rayners there are just in Suffolk County? None yeah. of them wanted that website.
0: I'm glad you got it. And it, it features your photography and your writing about your experience, about your experiences. I
2: did the. I made the whole website myself too. Oh, that's was like cool. An, you know, it's yeah, nice, to be able, nice to be able to, you be able to, Interface with the computer, you know, gives whole world opportunities for me. That's great. That's so cool.
0: Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, again, MatthewRayner.com to look at Matt's artwork, to purchase a piece, and to see about
2: the stories and there's a blog too. Great. You
0: know. Well, thank you so much. Alec, do you have any uh, last thoughts that you want to bring us out? Well, yeah, th- thank
1: you. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, there's so many things that really jumped out at me in this conversation. Uh, gratitude is, uh, is uh, you know, the, the big word I would say is, is, is we should all have gratitude for the, the, the blessings of our experiences, um, appreciation, uh, another one. And, uh, and I, I would also just say, uh, you are not
2: what happens to you. No, you can't. You certainly can't victimize yourself, whether you're in a wheelchair or not, no matter what happens to you. Please go find uh, Matt's
1: artwork. It is brilliant and beautiful and awe-inspiring. So thank you all. Be well and stay well.
3: I got my arms. I got my hands. I got my fingers. Got my legs. I got my feet. I got my toes. I got my liver. Got my blood. I got lot. I'm gonna spread it around the world, mother yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna spread it around the world, sister yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna spread it around the world, my brother huh. So everybody knows what I got
4: yeah.